All right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Behind the Human. I'm your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today, we have Tony Conrad joining us, who is a partner at True Ventures and has worked with companies such as Blue Bottle Coffee, which fueled my morning today, including my pour over <laughs> and all the accessories. So that's exciting. Uh, Houdinki and MakerBot, just to name a few. There's a whole list. Uh, to go through. He co-founded About.me and Sphere, both of which were acquired by AOL. He is a board member of the Tony Hawk Foundation and formerly a T4 National Co-Chair of Technology for President Obama. Above all of this, and there's a lot more, he has great parking karma, communicates (laughs) well with animals, is a Cubs fan, and is a former bowler. Tony, welcome to the show. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I can't, I'm not sure which of those topics that we should start with, but <laughs> maybe talking to <laughs> my animals seem to be the people that love me the best. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I mean, I, I should expect a good, uh, a good bio from someone that, you know, founded about.me, of course, but I was, uh, I was chuckling because there's, there's more to that as well, including some of the, the jobs that are on your, on, on your resume and whatnot. So this is going to be fun. I mean, I always start the these conversations that you know those are some of the titles that we covered and we'll definitely get into your backstory and work but I I try to start uh stripping away all of that stuff and just everyone gets the same question it's just who are you you know today who is Tony <laughs> Conrad today well who am I today I'm somebody who's in different vantage point in my life in station of life so to speak and I'm thinking about I'm thinking probably about a broader set of um, topics, you know, that um, some are work related and, and some aren't, um, and how that kind of sets me up for my my future. You know, like what what do I want to do <laughs> long term? Can't <laughs> yeah. do this forever. Um, sure. And so I'm definitely I've got some of those thoughts. And you know, first and foremost, I'm a I'm a good family person, and I have my boys, and I have my wife, and I have. My dog and my cat, who I communicate quite frequently with. Um, and I try to be a good partner. And, you know, I'm trying to be a good human as much as possible. Certainly flawed, but uh, but uh, definitely putting my best foot forward. Love it. So what what are some of those topics? Or how do you, how did, how do you go through that kind of reflection at, at, this, at this stage in your life? Well, I think you have to, um, you have to pause you know, first and foremost, which is hard for somebody like me, um, who has, you know, a certain frenetic energy level and is always engaged and whatnot. And so you can get caught up in the motion of things and motion doesn't always necessarily translate to progress, you know, Mm -hmm. and a lot of people confuse those things. And I certainly am guilty of that quite often. And so one is just pausing and being reflective, um, and just thinking about, you know, the path you've been on, um, kind of where you're sitting today and, and how do you envision it kind of playing out? And so, mm. you know, I have to think about that in the context of my professional work life and my partnership, uh, my responsibility, um, you know, to the team and to the people that have invested in our fund and have expectations, you know, and, and ambitions around our work. Um, and, you know, I just have to think a little bit more strategically about that. I think in the past, I always felt it was, um, you know, if I just look through the work lens, I've always felt 
like the the number one thing for me to focus on was to be a point score. Um, mm, and, and by that, but I mean, making good investments and generating, you know, high level returns, you know, in quality companies. And as I kind of get to this stage of life, it's not like I don't want to score more points. Of course I do. And I, I'm sure I will. Um, but I'm definitely much more thoughtful about how am I partnering and being a great partner to the younger team members, um, as well as my existing partners in setting everybody else up for, you know, to fulfill their dreams, right? And to be great point scorers in themselves. And so that's just a, that's a bit of a shift of a mentality that's yeah. happened uh, for me in particular probably the last, you know, probably 18 months. Okay. Um, well, I was going to ask you, like, how does that feel? I mean, it seems like it's, it, it, it is a shift for sure. Well, at first it feels like super energizing, you know, if I'm like candid about it, right? It's like, I'm going to do this. And so you're embarking on it. And it's like, wow, good for you. You like, maybe you're putting your ego aside <laughs> finally. And, you know, maybe you've actually matured more than you think and all that. And then you kind of get into it and, and then you realize, well, I kind of miss, I miss some of that other stuff. And <laughs> so you kind of lurch back and forth. So I wouldn't say I've mastered it by any stretch of the imagination, but um, I've certainly, I've I'm certainly aware of it, and I'm much more focused on it. And it is one of my goals, right? And I think once you establish a goal for yourself, um, especially for somebody like me who is very goal oriented and and had leveraged goals throughout my life, you know, to in a really positive way for the most part, um, you know, being able to do that, you know, sets me up for success, right? And yeah. And uh, it just, I just want to, I want to be able to, to, to position and empower others to, to be able to fulfill their groups. So if I can do that, I'll be in an amazing, amazing spot. Exciting stuff. I, I mean, I, I can't help but think it's, uh, you know, there's just, there's gotta be some good energy and excitement for the journey ahead. You know, it seems like a whole other, like another chapter, right? To the, to the full book. Well, it's a little scary because your your ego gets so caught up in your the you know the greatness of you, you know, mm. and um, and you know you have to you have to really be intellectually honest about it, and and it's it's okay to kind of like convince yourself that you are fantastic, you know. Like <laughs> I like to think of myself as a fantastic human being, and I hope <laughs> that I am somewhere close to that. But you really also have to be intellectually honest about all the doors that so many people and so many events and circumstances have opened for you along the way. And you have to get more balanced in how you, you recognize those things playing into your own success. Mm. Right. Um, yeah. and you know, we're easy when you have failures, it's really easy to point out all the things that, you know, rightfully, you know, might have derailed you, right, in your pursuit of a successful goal or succeeding on a goal. But, you know, we rarely do that, you know, in moments of success. We actually just kind of sit back and let all the accolades come in and like, yeah. wow, the glory of it all. And, yeah. um, you know, just like, that's just not okay, right? Because the reality is, did I win this deal on our behalf? Because of maybe some other fantastic deal that person X did years ago, which I could point to, which made the founder of that company more excited about working with us, right? And so what's the contribution of that in the whole formula? And so 
you know, it's just, it's endless when you start to kind of open up to it and reflect that it's not, it's not all you. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so it's great. It's, it's actually, it depressurizes it a lot. It's a sure. much healthier mental position to be in. Well, what's helped you, what's helped you pause or, or at least give yourself like that micro moment of coming off of that autopilot of letting those accolades come in and just kind of breathe for a second and, and ask some of those questions? Um, I think I have great support in a few areas. Um, I have great support on this from family. You know, my family is, um, you know, like most families, they're, <laughs> they're, they're quick to kind of call you out on your BS. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, they're also your biggest fans and they're also the most proud of your accomplishments. And so it's always a healthy, it's always a healthy environment for me. Uh, and it's been a great constant in my life. Um, but the other thing I would point to is, is my partners, right? And the, the opportunity for me to be a part of um, True um, and to work with John and Phil and Tony and Padit and so many others on our team. Um, I've just, they've, they've taught me more than anyone about humility. And they have, um, they're the ones, you know, like when we think the things we'll get into some of the special things about our fund, but you know, the non-attribution, um, mm -hmm. you know, they, that's a concept that I did not drive. I was all about attribution. <laughs> <laughs> and you can tell by my laugh, I still want my healthy share, right? Yeah. I, want my health, I want a healthy portion of it. Um, but boy, have I learned the value of, of being a part of the team. Um, and I think I was late to the game. Um, I think, you know, I played, you know, maybe get into that in my youth, but, you know, I played a lot of team sports. And, um, and so I certainly learned those lessons from that. But professionally, I think I'm very late to the game to understand the, and embrace and recognize and honor the true value of that. And I think it's been a, it's been a nice steady, uh, it's been a nice steady work progress on my end, you know, from the beginning of partnering with these guys 20 years ago. And yeah. so, um, you know, I'm really happy about that. I'm really, it's a great spot to be in. It's beautiful. I mean, I wrote down something you said when we, when we first spoke uh, a few weeks back and, and I can see now where this line came from. You said, true has become the joy of my life. And, you know, it just... It, it feels nice even on this end, hearing hearing you say that and knowing that it's been, you know, 18, nearly 20 years that you've been, you know, with that group of people. And obviously there's there's others and whatnot. Um, that's special. I mean, it's that that's rare, right? That that isn't the isn't necessarily the the norm for for most. Yeah. And it is rare. And it, it's and you know, you know, I feel like I've made contributions, you know, to the overall environment. Um you know, in the way that we, we operate as a team, but, you know, I've learned that and I've been nudged or gently brought along, you know, by John and Phil and others and, you know, who, who just have a, just have a natural ability to lead. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm not the leader they are, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> and so, uh, anyways, so it, it has been one of the joys yeah. of my life for sure. Love it. 
I'm going to put a pin on there because I, I definitely want to, you know, I want to fill some context in for for the listeners of of some of the earlier or the backstory uh, before you know you you were involved with uh, True Ventures and everything you're doing now, uh, and just you know just understand how uh, a kid from uh, you know rural uh, farming community in Indiana now somehow finds his way into, you know, fast-paced tech and founding companies and kind of on the pulse from from the outside looking in of a lot of, you know, innovation and so forth. How does that all happen? Like how, fill in some of those details. Boredom. (laughs) (laughs) I think my, my story is unique to me and it might be unique to some out there, but if you really step back, it's not all that terribly unique in that, you know, especially in, in, in America, you know, the, the story of people, you know, who come with less advantage or less privilege, perhaps on the surface, you know, pull themselves up and, and put themselves into, into great, you know, careers and great positions. Um, and so, you know, as a child, I grew up in a, in an incredibly, uh, kind and, and, but somewhat unsophisticated community. Um, for those there, I'm sure they might cringe to hear me phrase it that way, but I think it's, I think it's just honest, you know, yeah. you know, it's not a, it's not an academic environment, you know, in my high school, 120 kids graduated from my class. I think like maybe 10, you know, maybe less actually of us went to college. So it's sure. just not that kind of place. Right. But, you know, as a kid, I, I just had a very safe environment and you had a good family. My parents were functional and they weren't dysfunctional. They yeah. may not, they weren't super, you know, they weren't educated or super intellectual or things like that, but they were like amazingly good family, you know, mm-hmm. um, or good parents. And, and, uh, and so I had a great environment. Um, you know, I used to ride my bike to school as like a six year old, you know, that allowed me the opportunity to stop and buy some bubble gum, which I would then in turn sell to the kids coming in from the farms. <laughs> that's where it began. But, yeah, that's right. You know, I, well, it starts, it starts with me either, either conveniently picking a 50 cent piece out of my dad's coin purse or maybe, maybe him winking at me and letting me do that. But, um, sure. but I, you know, would take that and turn that into an enterprise. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I just had a, I had a lot of, I had a lot of time on my hands and, and I had a curious mind. And so I got after it very early on and I just had just, I always had a job and I was always participating in something. And I read the school yearbook. I, you know, the school newspaper, I, you know, it just, you know, I've just been involved in a lot of different things. Yeah. What was, do you remember, I mean, this is, this is going back obviously, but do you, do you remember any of the, kind of fundamental questions that allowed you to kind of open up your, I guess your, the open up the horizons and, and what ultimately kind of catapulted you into, I guess you can say some of the, the, the work that you're doing now or got you into the founding or founder space and, and entrepreneurship and, and so forth. Yeah. I think like if you're growing up in an environment, um, no matter where that environment is, but, and if you feel a little, a little bit like an outlier, so, which is odd for me to say, because in so many ways I was at the epicenter, right? I was, mm. you know, on the basketball team and I was captain of the tennis team and captain of the golf team. And, you know, and I was involved in school and I was getting great grades and I was on my way to college and I was one of those kids. But, you know, that very much makes you a bit of an outlier. Um, 
And, and so, you know, when you, when you, when you kind of start from that position, you, um, you know, you start to, you start to kind of seek advice if you, if you want, or, you know, role models and things like that. So very little early on, my sister, I had, a, I had two sisters, one's deceased now, but the other one was five years older than me. And she's, um, she was moving to Chicago. And I remember as like a, like a 10 year old or 11 year old, you know, I had never been to a city like that. Mm. I didn't even know what that was. And I'd kind of seen it on TV as like, I remember a seven or eight year old, I saw the Bob New Art Show, which okay. I think was in Chicago or Mary Tyler Moore, which I think was in Minneapolis. And they had those, like the helicopter, you know, taking a shot of the city, the panorama. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that looks amazing. <laughs> 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 From where I am. But yeah, we're in the a, field. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I, it took a long time for me to get there. Um, but she, my sister certainly opened my eyes because she went to college in, in Chicago and, and uh, it just really opened my eyes to a bigger, bigger world and one where I felt more comfortable. Um, mm. And so, you know, that was, I think that was like the, I think that's like the, the thing where it clicked for me, like, oh, that's where I belong. Like, I okay. don't, this is not where I'm not in the right spot, but that's where I'm going. Right. And, uh, and so, and did the, and, you know, oddly enough, years later, the first city I moved to was Chicago and, okay. um, you know, kind of amazing. And that's where it began. Yeah. Hello, friends. Given you're here, I'm making the assumption that you're motivated to be mentally fit. So with that in mind, I want to let you know about the Better Questions newsletter, which publishes once or twice a month, providing all of us the opportunity to slow down, think, and ask better questions. As you know, quality questions are my thing, and this is an opportunity to share the prompts I've studied and curated to help our minds be healthier, clearer, more intentional, and expand our mental capacity. You can sign up over at behindthehuman.com slash newsletter, which will also give you a preview of my debut book, Personal Socrates. That's behindthehuman.com slash newsletter. Now back to the show. I mean, there's, there's, I, I imagine there, there are many jobs. We, we don't obviously have to go through them all, but I'm, I'm curious to, um, I'm curious to see how about.me, how all that started and, and uh, Sphere was before that, right? I believe. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I mean, you can start wherever you'd like, but I, those ones, obviously they're, they're in the bio and, and so forth and, and probably most known, but I'm curious, like how did all that begin? And, you know, there seems to be some interesting stuff that happened there where AOL acquired about.me that I noticed that you guys bought it back as well. So <laughs> yeah, <there's, laughs> I obviously have a question there. <laughs> there's lots of, there's lots of texture around these things. <laughs> sure. Um, um, but um, no, you know, when I founded, founded Spear, it was somewhat out of necessity. You know, I hit a interesting crossroads as a lot of us in the tech community in 2002, 2003, where we realized, you know, the gig was a little bit up. And mm. as, as it being an investor, right. Cause I'd started off investing and, and, uh, and so I knew my way around the, the, the founder circles and the entrepreneurial, you know, nature of the Bay area, but it was dead and it was just, it wasn't very exciting. And so, you know, there was a moment where I'm like, okay, I believe in this. I can see that there's more and more people engaging with the web, you know, even though the business models are unclear 
And I can see this stuff that's starting to happen around self-publishing. Um, mm. And so like Live Journal and Blogger and, you know, my buddy, yeah. you know, like all that stuff. This even predates WordPress, right? Which I later become involved with. Um, but, you know, I kind of, I kind of see that happening. And the thing that struck me, the last deal I did as an investor in my previous fund, it was a company called Oddpost. And it was founded by Ethan Diamond and Ian Lamb. And it was, the CEO was my partner today, Tony Schneider. Um, and what was amazing about these guys was that they raised only a million dollars and you're know, working out of libraries and they were using shared software services. And I was like, what is that? And they're like, yeah, you just, you know, you don't need to have your own servers anymore. You can just plug into somebody else's and, you know, like AWS, like I, whatever yeah. it was called at the time. But I was like, oh my gosh, this stuff is getting so much cheaper before you have to write a four to $5 million check to get yeah. to market on a software play. And all of a sudden you could do it for a million dollars or less. And these guys became the darling. They were one of the three darlings. It was Flickr, uh, Oddpost, and Blogger, uh, which oh. really represented a a new kind of shift in technology. Um, and lightweight, fast, um, break code, you know, correct code easily, move forward, leverage communities. Um just, you know, Moore's law really kind of coming into place. And so I thought like, you know what, I think I can do this. And somebody needs to organize and structure all this blog data, which oddly enough, wasn't even being really crawled or respected by Google, you know? And so I thought like, this is, this is what we're going to go do. Um, by the way, never compete with Google. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. There's the episode title. <laughs> even though, even though, even though I ended up having a phenomenal outcome with Sphere, um, but we really had to shift it a little bit, and we realized we had been crawling all this blog data and organizing it uh, in ways that that structured the data, um, and so we could do contextual matching of content, and so Sphere kind of came out of being this pure play blog search engine like okay. technorati was our big competitor our big nemesis in the moment and we just shifted to where we're going to be a partner on every content site in the world and what we're going to do is we're going to contextually read their articles and figure out what blog posts are out there that are contextually relevant to the discussion and mm. create hyperlinks that a publisher can put into those articles, right? And so editors fell in love with this product. And sure enough, we ran the table. I mean, I think any, every, you know, that's an exaggeration, but boy, a large percentage of the largest company, media companies in the world had Sphere um, integrated into their software stack. And so that was wow. the first one. And wow. it worked out, it worked out fabulous. Um, on about.me, about.me was personal. It was always yeah. personal because I thought, I mean, it should be right named about.me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I knew after I sold Sphere, I knew immediately I wanted to do another one. Um, okay. Because I, I had so much kind of fun and I learned so much and I pushed myself so hard in it in, in good ways. And so 
on about.me, I noticed that a lot of the cool kids, you know, the Matt Mullenweg's, the Kevin Rose's, the Tim Ferriss's of the world, the Veronica Belmont, the Katarina Fake, like all these people, they were the cool kids. And they all had these kind of simple splash pages, you know, that were their bio pages. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was interesting. Um, and often they were, they were kind of wrapped up in the blogs, you know, it'd yeah. be like the blog about page, but it was different. Right. And it was, and I was thinking like, I get that. That makes sense to me because, you know, when I, when I guess the, the premise of about.me was that you should get to know the whole me and I should own that narrative as opposed to outsourcing it to Google search results, which is what most people, you know, unfortunately or unknowingly do. Yeah. Um, or like, I don't really think of myself as my professional bio. I'm much more interesting than that, hopefully. Yeah, um, yeah. And well, so that's why my, I asked you the who are you question. <laughs> yeah. Well, the LinkedIn page, you know, captures a piece of you, right? Sure. A very important piece of you. Your Facebook page captures another piece of you in, in this era. Um, and so, but none of them are really the whole, the whole you and the real you. They're just, they're just pieces of you. And mm-hmm. so... I wanted to do something really, really simple and empower people and be able to tell their story because I thought like my own story, um, you know, for those getting to know me, of course, they would know about Sphere and they know about my investments and know about True. They know about those things. And those are all great, but they wouldn't know that I was a baseball umpire. They wouldn't know that I'd been a janitor, which is, you know, a really hard thing to do, you know, as a a young person or that I'd worked in a factory or I'd been a yogurt merchandiser or an ad salesman or like all the things, sports reporter, like all the the stuff I had done. And to me, you and I've spoken a lot about this. That's what's interesting. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. yes, it's interesting, True Ventures. Yes, About.me and Sphere are interesting. WordPress is interesting. Those things are all really important pieces of me, but they represent nothing in terms of the foundation of who I am. What represents the foundation of who I am is where I grew up, how I grew up, and what I did with that time. And what I did with that time was incredibly engaged, incredibly industrious. Um, and those those skills... And those habits um, show up every day in the person I am still now, mm. right? And I'm incredibly proud that I did those things. Um, and uh, and so About.me was this natural way of highlighting some of the goofy stuff. We've talked about it. all the stuff that's not on your LinkedIn page. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And everybody out there, if you're listening, I want you to pause. All the stuff that's not on your LinkedIn page that you probably never talk about or get asked about, that's the stuff that's important. That actually is who you are, right? LinkedIn is not who you are. That is the foundation of who you are. And that is what you have to own. And you have to get comfortable owning that narrative, you know, and the honesty of that narrative. And it can be tragic, you know, like I go back to like, I did not grow up in a tragic environment. Mm-hmm. Yes, I felt for a long time, I had a chip on my shoulder for a long time that it, I had no unfair advantages until I realized I had all the unfair advantages. I had a normal family. I had a safe yeah. community. I had a supportive community. I got to be a bit of a, you know, a bit of a star in a small, you know, big fish in a small pond, right? And those things, you know, really helped me along the way. Um, and so others had tragic things. I've seen, 
you know, it's like, it was so empowering when we launched about that because it, it just, it was lightning in a bottle. And I would read things on people's pages, which, you know, would allude to some of the really messed up, you know, beginnings for people. Oh yeah. And it was, but it was therapeutic for them, I think in a way that they got to put that in the context of the overall picture. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, it is not, um, you know, it does not define them, but yeah. it, it, it does, it does, it is the, the building blocks of who they are. And if you don't know those things going in and you don't really know who you're working with or partnering with, they're getting to know. Yeah. And it's still live today, right? Uh, um, Boto- yeah, it is. I think, I think, I don't know, like I t- was told the other day, like 30, 40 million people on it. It's oh, massive. Wow. <laughs> I think it's still wow. massive. It's still in people's bio leaks and, uh, and whatever. Um, well, it's interesting because if you think like, I'm sure you've thought about this, even, even as I was preparing for the conversation, thinking of, of just social media in general and there's all like, you know, there's like the link trees that are out there and like the quick one link, here are all my handles, here's some, you know, information and whatnot. And I'm thinking of when about.me started. It's, you're so ahead of all of that, right? Uh, yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's one of these ideas that I think is, it's, it's always going to be a timely idea. I fact, I feel like, you know, about.me could be started again today, you know, with yeah. a, a slight, slight twist to it. But it's a hard, it's a hard concept to, to wrap a business model around. And sure. you know what I mean? Because you're competing ultimately with people do have their LinkedIn page and they have their Instagram and they have their Facebook. And so they have plenty of places where they, they perceive that, you know, their identity, their story is already out there. But the reality is not out there in a comprehensive and, um, you know, genuine, honest way. Yeah. Um, totally. You know, because, you know, once again, like if you look at my Instagram, I mean, I'm just having one flawless dope life. Right. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> right. And, and it's not true. Uh, I, yeah. I got, I got drama. <laughs> yeah. I got, I got pain. I got heartache. I've got, yeah. I have lots of problems, you know, sure. you're got, human. Shocking. Uh, shocking. Right. <laughs> but boy, in my Instagram, it is an idealized vision of myself. <laughs> Sometimes when I'm feeling badly about myself, I just go look at my Instagram. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's too funny. <laughs> you know? Well, it's interesting though, because I, I shared this when I, when I reached out with you, to you, right. And I said, uh, for long time listeners of the show, I mean, Kevin Rose has been a part of it. I think he, he actually was an interview before this was a podcast, and it was a it was a written interview. Uh, so this is going way back. Daria as well, his wife. Oh, great, uh, Daria Rose, both of them. And it was at that time that that then I saw the all of you traveling together, probably in Japan somewhere, and just started following your Instagram account. And I had shared saying, "I just it seems so fascinating. Like your <laughs> your life seems so fascinating." And and it is, and it's interesting for you to share, you know, what how you perceive uh, your Instagram. But now, you know, getting to know you even further, uh, and outside of uh, how you nicely, you know, put this, like what's not on your LinkedIn uh, page and so forth, and Instagram, uh, like I'm, I. I already can't wait, you know, to meet you again when you're, when you're in Toronto, because it, it's just, now the real you is coming out and it's fat, <laughs> you know, it, that, that's fascinating. So I don't know where I was going with all of that, but I, uh, the, the, the one thing I, I did want to 
to ask you a little bit more about about or regarding about.me and just I guess just products in in general. Um, and this came from I was doing a bit of research with that South by Southwest panel you're on, you know, eleven or twelve years ago, which I think a lot of the advice that was given from those panel members, yourself included, Tim Ferris, Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, Chase Jarvis was moderating that, and, and Jr. Uh, what's his last name again? Jr. Johnson. Jr. Johnson. Yeah. Um, just around finding advisors and mentors, kind of like how you're, you know, in a way, your sister first acted uh, for you. But then I know for about me, Kevin played a big role, and there were a few other players that, you know, really adopted the product do you do you do you still keep kind of those those same views when it comes to let's say someone you know someone's got a book out or they're launching a new company like how do you view advisors and mentors of of 2023 yeah no i i think i would double down on it you know it's um so there's i think they fall into two different camps um and then there's there's obviously some overlap so some people it's, it's just about mentorship and yeah. it's about having somebody you can just talk to, um, yeah. and who even knows what you talk to them about, but it's just there, they get you, they understand your professional position and you can just have real conversations. And I have, I have a handful of those folks, including a few of my partners, you know, okay. here who I, I put them in a slightly different camp. Like they're my first call, you know, when I've got, my world feels upside down or challenging or um, even exciting, right? And I want to connect with them. But I have other people that have played a massive role uh, in my life. People like Doug McKenzie, uh, who was at Kleiner for, for years. And, and I, you know, I, I'm going to stop there because I, there's, like, there's like a dozen of them. And <laughs> I'm sure. not going to name them all and then I'll feel badly. So, so but, but Doug kind of jumps to mind. Then there's the aspect of having advisors um, and people that are associated with your causes or your projects or whatever it is you're working on. And for about.me, one of the things that we really innovated on, and I think, I honestly think we were probably the first to really do this in a substantial way or a strategic way, is that we had 26 advisors when we were a four-person team. Okay. And I, so, I, you know, that's last time I checked, that's six and a half people per, <laughs> per team member. And um, so, you know, our advisors way outnumbered us. But what those advisors were bringing was social insight, you know, in terms of how did these models work, uh, them adopting about.me early on and then putting it on their own pages, whatever. It was a, like a secret you know, like mm-hmm. in, it was influencer marketing, you know, before yeah. we had words for that. And so, you know, they were, they were promoting the product and of course we were just getting tons of signups. And so like, you know, like I could look, we could look at the logs every day and I could look, oh my gosh, we had X number of people come in from Kevin Rose's, you know, bio, you know, yeah. or on his Twitter page. Right. And uh, same with, you know, you have Veronica Belmont or, or Tim Ferriss. And so like, you know, we could just see the benefits to the business, um, and the association. And then lastly, it was kind of just fun. Like a lot sure. of these, almost all of these people were my friends and a handful of them became friends, right? Yeah. The process. And I mean, what the hell is this, all this stuff about? It's not about community. 
Like yeah, if you, you yeah. know what I mean? It gets back to check your ego. You might be driving the bus, but boy, there's a lot of people that had to put the bus together and make sure it was clean sure. and had gas in it and you had money to buy gas and just all that stuff. Right. So it was having that group along, um, for the ride. Um, and it was an extraordinary ride on about that be, um, that well, how did you fun. collect those people, Tony? Because I mean, there's, I, I think there's like a, a bit of an illusion sometimes. I mean, I, and I don't want to make too many assumptions um, around this that, you know, it's, it, it's sh- sometimes you can link yourself up with someone that is quite influential. But often what I see is that people l- like yourself are coming up with these individuals as well. Okay. And if you look at it, look at a Tim Ferriss today versus probably when you first met him, I'm sure you, yeah, he was obviously influential at that time, but now, now he's got this show that's like a billion, reaching a billion people yeah, now kind he's of thing. Superstar. Yeah, no, yeah. no, exactly. And I think sometimes there's, there's, there's a misconception there about how these, these groups of people end up coming together. And I'm just curious how, how you collected some of those early advisors that, you know, maybe were friends at one point, but they then became friends for someone starting yeah. out now. Well, I kind of go back to that moment, the inflection point of, you know, 2002, 2003, when things had really kind of spun into a bad direction, right, for everyone. Um, and so it was a little easier to identify who the who the real zealots were <laughs> you know, mm. like who, you know like most people ran for the hills and they ran yeah. back to their corporate jobs or safety of x y or z but you know some of us kind of stayed back and it was just it was just a much more relaxed environment in a lot of ways with low expectations and so it's in that time period where i'm meeting people like Stuart butterfield who goes on to do slack katarina fake who did flicker along with Stuart, uh, Dick Costello, who, you know, famously ends up being CEO of Twitter, Evan Williams from, you know, doing blogger at the time, you know, co-founder of Twitter. Um, you know, Kevin Rowe, and it's just like everybody in those circles, you know, we were kind of coming up together. And so, you know, we all, like, we all knew Reed Hoffman. We all knew Mark Pincus, like, you know, like sure. anybody who like kind of, became somebody in that period, they're all part of the same friend group, you know, in a little bit, in an odd way. And so we kind of rode together. Um, but what happened was I realized is, you know, not only was it good for about.me, it's kind of good for them, right? Yeah. The association yeah. was bi-directional. So A, about.me was a good project. And it was high profile. And so they were a part of it and they were in they were noticeably part of it. They were prominently featured in all yeah. of it. But it was also a good group for them. Like, well, I'm in a group with Ev. I'm in a group with Kevin. I'm in a group with, you know, Dario, Veronica, whoever it is. And so all these people that end up becoming influencers, Gary Vee. Um, and so it's a great group of people where it's not a PayPal mafia type group. It's a little <laughs> bit of an about.me mafia. And, yeah, uh, and by the way, they didn't need anything. They didn't need to, be, to become their own mafia bosses, but like <laughs> you get the drill, like yeah. they were all part of it. So the association was bi-directional and the way I did it, I thought was actually also still something I would advise people to do today, which is find a really lightweight way, um, to align your incentives with these people. And so equity is a great way to do that. We made equity grants. I think it was about two and a half percent of the company in total for those 26 people. So that implies okay. like a tenth of a point. It's not a big 
big deal, right? Um, and instead of asking people to vest and making it complicated around that, these are just these are just vested. I'm just this is these are just a gift. Like yeah. if you agree to be a part of it, it's not a gift, but like if you agree to be yeah. a part of it, these are just assigned to you and there's no bells and whistles and there's no expectations of you doing anything. And of course, most of them did way more, you know, yeah. for us than we could have ever asked. Um, well, but that's, just, I have to pause you there because that's one point that really stuck out in that panel. You shared this where, uh, and that for anyone listening in this realm, like to not not define their roles because then you limit yourself to well maybe they're going to do something else that is even better you yeah, can't well, it becomes right it becomes, it becomes very transactional yeah so by taking the by taking all the bells and whistles out of the transaction um it's still a transaction right sure. it's still an agreement between a company and people but boy it depersonalizes it in a way that is really powerful and empowering yeah. to them that says, I want you to be a part of this because I like your respect you and I think you have insights. It'd be great if we could share in those. Um, but there's no, you know, I don't have any unruly expectations around this. And, you know, whatever you do, you do. And 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 also if you overly define well as as you're mentioning, you really kind of limit what people might do for you. Mm-hmm. And um, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Like, why do that? <laughs> well, which also, though, can be that just that thinking and that concept can be flipped right into just our, our lives in general. I mean, sure, point yes. yourself in the right direction or in the direction that you'd like to go and, and you know, set up some goals and some systems to, to get there, but not at the expense of, you know, being so narrowly focused that you can't see the magic happening around you. Right, which is exactly. kind of the same concept or principle here. Exactly. So, anyways, they all yeah. got a check at the end. So okay, sure, <laughs> it worked. <laughs> yeah. I think everybody was pretty happy. <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> uh, I I definitely want to ask you a little bit about your mind because it, you know from the outside and and your Instagram as well. Let's just say. <laughs> There's and other people have said this uh, about you as well, and I, I'm sure this is not uh, new. But you you have a personality and an energy and a vibe to you uh, that is is calming, is calm, uh, calming, kind, um, and just kind of like somewhat go with the flow, like not too high stress. This that like that is the the outside, you know, kind of uh, at least what I pick up, and 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 I've seen others say this as well. But I'm curious, like, you're human like the rest of us. What's happening behind the hood? You know, like, how do you manage, how do you manage your mind and, and just the regular day-to-day of, of being, you know, human like the rest of us, um, you know, to, 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 to what seems like to, to live a pretty, you know, good life? Yeah. Um, I, think I, I think there's a lot more stress under the hood than sure. maybe what gets um you know put out there right and i and i try to you know in the imperfect world i definitely try not to let my stress um flow into the energy and whatever it is others are doing i know i that's just not gonna be helpful um i think one of the big advantages once again is like when i go back to like feeling a little bit like an outsider and actually being a little bit of an outsider 
you know, where you're growing up and in that community, you learn some real skills, you yeah. know, or you, you can learn some real skills. You know, a lot of people confront that by just being raging idiots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, I, I feel sorry, sorry for them. But for somebody like me, like, you know, you want to both stand out in terms of what you accomplish, but you also don't want to stand out in an environment like that. You don't want to be, you don't want to be the know-it-all or smarter than everybody else or the fancier person or all that stuff. Like you just yeah. really got to figure out how to fit in because, you know, from birth to 18, that's a long journey. Oh yeah. <laughs> and if you're, known, if you're that person in your community who is just, you know, kind of an idiot, like, that's not going to really work out well for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you're going to develop some really, really bad habits. Um, and so luckily I, I was, I think I was on the right, you know, right side of that equation. And I learned how to fit in. I learned how to listen. Um, and I think I'm an outstanding listener. Mm. Um, I don't always process decisions on what I hear so well, but I definitely am empathetic and I definitely I'm a good listener. And so that, um, I think that really, that's really kind of, kind of, I think it's what you're trying to tap into is I still feel like I'm that person. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm any different from that today. Um, and some of it also comes from insecurity, you know, like some of it was, you know, like when I left, you know, my, my, uh, small town and I went to college, you know, my first year, my freshman year, I did exceptionally well from a, um, from a grade point, you know, and engagement perspective, but I was a big ball of stress underneath mm -hmm. all of that. And I felt, you know, I, I, I think I even became a deeper listener because I felt a little bit more insecure in my own voice, so to speak, because I was yeah. in a, all of a sudden I was like, not a big fish in a pond. I was like a little minnow in a lake or like, a, you know, or in a, in an ocean. Right. And cause there's a lot of smart people around. And so I think I even became more skilled at like listening and observing and just trying to find my angles until I build up my own level of confidence. Um, and I still have that today. It's still, I still, even at this station of my life, you know, embarrassingly, I have moments where I'm like, Okay, there's the, there's that insecurity, you know, those those demons coming out. Sure, sure. <laughs> Why did you just introduce yourself from like who you are professionally instead of who you are as a human? Like, oh, why did you even have? Why did you even have to do that, dude? Like, yeah. why did you have to like let everybody know that you're like the dude? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, <laughs> like, like, you know, because I'm not the dude. Right. Yeah. And so why do you have to pretend that you're the dude? You know, like, like I catch myself in those modes all the time, still today. Okay. And, uh, and I bet you everybody else out there who sits in a really kind of great moment where they can reflect on the back of their life. I bet if they're intellectually honest, they also suffer of course. from that. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> are there are there any rituals or practices in your life that are that help with your listening or help with just the daily you know, just daily life and whatnot. Like, what are some of those non-negotiables yeah. for you? Yeah, I remember once I was off at an on-site with my partner, John Callahan, and he said, it was in the morning, and and, and John in those days, he would he wasn't always the most punctual person. And and so we're trying to get going. You know, we're all rah, 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 and 
like the bourbon what we need to do. We got a lot of stuff to accomplish. And, and I think John needed to go out. He did his exercise in the morning. And he said, you know, he comes back and, and I can't remember if somebody said something. I, mean, I think he's like, you don't understand. Like, you don't want to actually be with me if I haven't worked out. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, I'm a mess, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah. and, and it's so resonated with me. I'm like, oh my God, thank you for articulating something that I know about myself, but I've never actually been able to process or recognize in a way sure. that's really, you know, important or meaningful. And I'm like, yeah, my routine is I need to work out in the morning. If okay. I don't work out in the morning, I am a mess. Um, okay. I'm jittery all day long. Um, I'm What's unfocused. that workout look like? Look like for well, you right now? We can, can we come back to that workout in a okay. minute. But like, <laughs> but I think. But what is magic about when you work out, or at least for me, um, is it's like a truth serum hmm. for where your head is, and um, it's like what is bothering you because yeah. there's always something bothering you even when there's not <laughs> and well as soon as i start running or i get on my bike or whatever it is i'm doing it just it 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 presents itself it always does and um i was feeling a little bit badly about something with my family this morning when i worked out and i didn't realize that but as i went for a run i knew I knew yeah. exactly what I was I was feeling, and it just appeared. So that to me is the most important mental health um, thing that I do. Okay, uh, yeah, it's so you know it just we talked about this at one point, but just the the power of 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 pausing and thinking and, and kind of stilling the mind that because if we, if we don't intentionally do these things and we're we're just in the regular kind of rat race and and participating in society, it's so easy to fall on on autopilot. Like yeah, surrounded by that, right? So, like, we have to do something to to your point to allow that truth serum to to to, to work its magic. Because then we then it just becomes this. You know, we we walk around with so much mental clutter and mental debt, and it just keeps compounding and stacking until something something has to give, right? Yes, exactly. So, I think the other thing too that I learned, uh, my father had a really great saying. He says, sometimes in life, yeah, I remember him telling me this when I was younger, that sometimes in life, you, um, 50.01% is really what you need. And he was talking mm. about in the context of friendships and people that you kind of, sometimes inevitably we all get upside down with somebody, rep somebody wrong, like just doesn't like you, you just don't like somebody, like whatever it yeah. is, it doesn't really matter. Um, but I think what he was saying was, you know, being on the 49.99% side of the ledger, you're still on the negative side of the ledger. And at 50.0001, you're actually on the positive side of the ledger. It's the bare minimum of positive, which means you kind of can just park it and not have to deal with it. Yeah. You don't have to carry the burden of that disappointment or dislike or judgment or whatever. And so I think that really for me and just my mental well being, that has been a something instinctively I've kind of known how to do for a long time. And I do okay. do it. And um you know, I you know what I think like who's on the negative side of my ledger, I don't really have like right today, I don't have anybody in that 
side, you know? Mm. I mean, there's people I don't particularly love or like or respect or whatever. And it's okay, but I could, I could just find a place to put them at 50.01 and I just don't have to deal with it. And, yeah. um, you know, that's really worked well for my mental health. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, know, just, you can feel the weight, you yeah. know, lifts right off. This, I have this friend, Humble the Poet, and he printed oh, t-shirts yeah. for me. I don't know if you know him, but it's just 50. You just took, for my birthday, he just brought me a t-shirt. He just printed it, 50.001%. And, <laughs> and, and he said, it's the best best thing anybody had ever, you'd ever heard anybody tell him. And yeah. so, like, I okay, love thanks. it. <laughs> but it's a great, uh, it's just a great perspective shift, right? And I, I think that those little micro moments throughout, throughout the journey are so powerful. Literally, really it, are. you know, right? Like you can just be bogged down by so much self-mental torture, you know, for days on end if you don't have some of these yeah. these these practices and whatnot. Yes. Uh, I'm going to start wrapping up because we're, we're we're almost at time here, but I I, I do want to ask uh, you about you know just some of the reflective questions that either have been really instrumental in in big moments in your life that you've thought about or even ones that you, you know, reflect on on a frequent basis that are, are helpful? Um, well, I spent a lot of time thinking about how I can be at service of others. And that might sound yeah. corny, but I spend a tremendous amount of my energy at this stage. It's kind of where we started this conversation is thinking yeah. about what, what knowledge and what access and what gifts and what patience do I have to offer to those who are maybe in different stages of their careers and they're coming up and, and whatnot. And that's really fundamentally important to me. It's part of what, why I serve and things like the Tony Hawk foundation. Um, you know, I love its intersection with youth, youth and culture, um, and the empowerment and serving some of the most underserved, you know, young adolescents in our society, right? Mm -hmm. Skate park is an amazing place for them to, to be a part of a community. And so, you know, that's, I think that's, that's the main thing for me at this point is sure. just really just, you know, reflecting on like, how can I, how can I be a positive uh, piece in this puzzle? Because I go back to like so many doors open for me. It's crazy. Like, honestly, yeah. if you really sit back and if you, wherever you're sitting in life, how you got there, uh, like, you know, it's, and if you're happy with it, like it's not all you. In fact, it's very little you. It's 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 others really facilitating that pathway for you. And so, how can I be a part of that for others? That's the real uh, question of reflection I have almost mm. every day. I love um, it. Love it. Well, last question for you as you as you map out and and think and reflect on the you know the chapter ahead. You know what puts a smile on your face? Humans. <laughs> I'm a I'm a very social uh, being, and and uh, you know I love to be generous with my my uh, my love mm. and affection. Um, and uh, you can see, I mean, even as you said that, you know, for those listening, I have a big smile on my face right now as as we're kind of talking about that. Um, my children. Um, yeah. I'm incredibly proud of them. They're, they're uniquely different from me doing things that I would never dream of doing. Um, but there are, they're just like such amazing, wonderful humans. 
Like they're good people. They're thoughtful. They're kind. They're smart. They're capable. Yes. Are they flawed? Yes. Do they get to put their toothpaste in the drawer? Yes. Do they leave their dirty laundry? Yes. Do they annoy me? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But they're now like, you know, they're in their late 20s and, you know, they're full-fledged adults that I like what I see. I'm really, I'm really, really proud of them. That puts a huge smile on my face. And I love to see out there succeeding, you know, Mm -hmm. like accomplishing their goals, whatever that might be. Um, I still, you know, I still cry when I watch award shows. I still, <laughs> you know, I'm that guy, you know, like, oh, yeah. I, really, I mean, I'm, I'm happy for people right now <laughs> just listening to your share. Yeah. I resonate, you know, yeah. I resonate. Thank well, you. Tony, I mean, thank you, uh, first and foremost for your, for your time, of course, and, and jamming on the show, but a higher thank you for, you know, just following, you know, following the the thread and opening all those doors for so many people where others have, have done that for you as well. Because the, as you know, the the ripple effect of, of just that, you know, beautiful energy you put out into this world affects a lot of people around the world. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. I appreciate you acknowledging that, that each one of us, we pay it forward every day, right? Yeah. So always, always remember that. It's such a corny expression. It's such a powerful and awesome expression. Just pay it forward. Pay it forward. Yep. Every day. 